0: Good morning, family. Everybody doing all right today? Oh my. Are, are there more than four of you that are doing well today? Come on, if you're thankful to be in church this morning. Good to see you. Hope everybody doing, is doing well. Uh, welcome into the service. If you're visiting with us, so glad you're here. We are in a year long series called The Year of the Bible. We're just reading through the Word of God, uh, it's been really good. And uh, we're going to be talking about baptism today. We got some people getting dunked. It's been awesome. Had a few the first service. Very, very cool. Uh, before we get to that, though, I want to celebrate what happened last weekend. Uh, it was Easter. I know most of you know that because. You know, you you, you still have the candy hangover. Uh, But but we we had an awesome, awesome time as a church statewide. First of all, just here at our campus here in Cabot, we had over 2,300 people that came to the services. 41 people that made a decision for Jesus to rededicate their life, give their life to Jesus. Come on. And uh, man, it was cool. But but we're part of a big vision. How many guys are thankful that we're reaching the state of Arkansas? Amen. And and here's the deal: we 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 know that we're not the only church. Uh, We know that we have to partner with the body of Christ in order to fulfill this vision. But across the state, at all of our campuses, we had over twenty-three thousand people that heard the message of Jesus Christ. Six hundred and ninety people total that made a commitment for Jesus. Come on, let's give it up for God. He's good. We're talking about baptism, and we haven't necessarily had any very recent readings in our plans about baptism specifically. We did have something I'm going to mention a little later, a couple weeks ago. But this week, we did read something in Deuteronomy that has everything to do with understanding the Word of God and understanding what it means to be obedient to the things that God asks us to do. How many guys know it's important to be obedient to what God asks us to do? So this is what it says, and this is in reference to what it means and what it takes. To be a king, okay, that's what I was talking about within this context, but it applies to all of us. In Deuteronomy 17, verse 19, it says, speaking of a king who would want to be a king, he must keep that copy, okay, when it says a copy, it says it's meaning the word of God, okay, the instruction at that time, with him and ready and read it, sorry, read it daily as long as he lives. That he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way. It will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel. Okay, so it says, get a copy of the Word of God. Keep it close to you. Read it daily. Read the Word of God daily and then obey it. And if you'll keep this, if you'll do this, that not only are you going to be blessed, but your kids are going to be blessed. Generations under you will be blessed because of the power of the word of God and the power of obedience to what God asks us to do. Well, I think that that correlates very well with the act of baptism. And what it means when God is asking us to do this, because this is something that God asks us to do. And, And Jesus stepped out and set the example right off the bat and showing us this obedience. Now, Jesus is God, so he certainly didn't have to be baptized. But he did it because he understood that it was important to God the Father, and he wanted to make sure that anything that was important to God the Father was important to him and that other people understood that it was important to him. Now, in the Bible, the first miracle that happened with Jesus was at a wedding. And they had a major issue because at this wedding, they were running out of wine. And some of you are like, man, that's a big problem, you run out of wine. And we'll pray for you up here at the front as soon as the service is over. But but at that point in this culture, that was a huge issue because wine was like symbolic of what it meant to be a good host. If you ran out of wine, it was like, man, you, you stink as a host. You're a loser. We're all leaving. And so running out of wine and out of wedding, it was even bigger of a deal, okay? And so Mary Jesus' mother is there, and she gave some of the best advice that anybody could ever be given. Now here's the deal. If you're at a wedding and a mama steps up and says to do something, you better be doing it, okay? And she says this in John chapter 2, verse 5. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. That's really, really good advice. And I think that we need to apply that when it comes to baptism, to our obedience and what God has asked us to do. Jesus did this. We read it a couple weeks ago, Luke chapter 3. When all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And, he was, and as he was praying, heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son. Whom I love with you, I am well pleased. How many of you guys appreciate affirmation? Somebody just affirming you every once in a while? Four of you? Okay. How many of you appreciate being affirmed? Okay, come on now. Don't You can raise your hand in church, even if you're a raised Presbyterian. Um, I think it's important. And this is what God the Father is saying. He's like, that's my boy. I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. He, he's God in the flesh. But he's being obedient to something that is so important to me. And he is affirming who Jesus is because of that. But Jesus is also affirming his relationship with God the Father through this obedience. I think in so many different ways, we get disconnected from those types of relationships. We get disconnected from being in that place where we affirm the people that are around us. The relationships that are most important to us. We get disconnected in a lot of ways. And there's a big fake world of relationship out there. I think it primarily exists within social media. Look, I use social media. I don't think there's anything wrong with it unless it becomes a substitute for real relationships between you and another person. Where you have real conversation. and Where you can actually affirm the relationship that you have with them. But we have become so ADD with social media. I mean we're on all of them. We're on Instagram and Snapchat and and, and Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff so much that it's like we become insta Snapchat twit faces. I mean it's that's what we become. It's just like there's like a name for us now. And we're not really present in relationships. We're not really there. Walk into a restaurant. You'll see a family sitting at a table, and then the first idea is, well, that's good. They're at like sitting at a table having a meal. But as you notice, what percentage of people are on some sort of device? Look, our family has been guilty of this, okay? We have done this. There are times, especially when you have multiple children, that an iPad or an iPhone can be a really helpful babysitter for a little bit. And, but, but here's the deal. You get to a place where everyone is so disconnected. And and if you do that all the time and you don't realize that those relationships that those people, especially your kids that are there, they need you. They need to be having conversation with you. They need you to be affirming who they are to you. But sometimes we're just so wrapped up in like an alternate universe with stuff that really doesn't matter. We'll be we'll be on Pinterest like trying to find pineapple printed yoga pants and our kid is sitting there right next to us and we're not affirming that relationship. And I believe that, man, water baptism is one of the greatest ways that we affirm who God is to us, who we are to him and what that means for us within the body of Christ. The fact of the matter is, when you love someone, you care about what they care about. You understand what they like. You understand what they dislike. And whatever they like, you want to do more of it. And whatever they don't like, you try to help them avoid it. When you really love someone, you understand what their pet peeves are and you understand what they love. I do think that we can throw around the word I love way too easily, though. So the truth is we love a lot of things, right? I mean, I love pizza. I love Sour Patch Kids. I love movie theater popcorn way too much. I love cats. Uh, just making sure you're paying attention. All right, glad you're awake. I also got some pet peeves. Look, Cody knows all this stuff about me. She knows my pet peeves. She knows the things I love. One of my pet peeves is people driving the speed limit in the fast lane. Now, that's you, you need some deliverance. You need some help, okay? Because here's the deal. I'm trying to get somewhere it's a fast lane for a reason. And I'm not saying I'm trying to break some sort of speed record, but I might be going, you know, five to nine miles an hour over the speed limit because I've heard nine, you're fine, 10, you're mine. So I just kind of keep it right in that area. And sure enough, you'll be going down the highway making good time, everything's going great. And then there's that person with the audacity (laughs) to be driving the speed limit in the fast lane. And the problem is, they're right there next to somebody else doing the same thing. They're not friends. They don't care about each other. But they are determined to ruin everyone else's day. They're just doing this. They're just doing this. Not giving you enough room to get by. I'm not pass. Nope. Just stand right there. Okay? And the only person that is worse than the person that is in the fast lane that shouldn't be is the person doesn't realize that the eight of us that are in line <laughs> waiting to get around this person We're not there because we want to be there. And they like to drive up next to you in the slow lane and cut in on you. I've lost my salvation a couple times. I just want to tell you right now, there is a reason I do not have a New Life Church sticker on the back of my car or anywhere around me. I can't prove it biblically, but I don't think there is grace for those people. I also have a big pet peeve when I go to the grocery store. Look, I don't go to the grocery store to shop. I go to the grocery store to hunt. I know I'm not there to waste time. There is a specific lane that is designated for me. That is the 10 items or less lane. When I go, I'm going because I needed to pick something up for my lovely wife. I didn't go to get a full cart. I go to get a couple of things and get out of there. It is my pet peeve that when I go to my designated lane, there is that lady with her children with 30 items and i know because i count how many of you guys count come on you count you count you're over there look hey and i know i shouldn't say anything because i'm a pastor and people are going to know me but sometimes i can't help it and a while back i said something sweet lady in front of me way too many items so out loud, pretty loud, I said, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was in the 10 items or less aisle. And I looked at her, looked at her cart, looked at the attendant. They didn't care. I'm in a rush. I turn around to go to a different lane. As soon as I turn around, I hear, hey, Pastor James. <laughs> Praise God, brother, how you doing today? (laughs) Well, I haven't seen them come back in a while. God was proud of Jesus when he was baptized. It made him happy. And I think it's the same thing when we're obedient in these types of things. I don't know why God picked water baptism. I have no idea. A lot of it just had to do with the culture at that time. Did you know Christians didn't invent water baptism? There are actually other groups of people that were doing water baptism before Christians did it, but it was known that when you got baptized in water that you were committing, that you were communicating, I'm a part of something. I'm a part of something. And it affirmed his relationship and those people's relationship with God. Look, when you make the decision to be baptized, it is not a denominational decision. It is also not a non-denominational decision. It has nothing to do with joining a church. It also shouldn't be a parental decision. In other words, you shouldn't be trying to convince your kids they need to get baptized before they understand or are ready to make that commitment on their own. Me, the first time I got baptized, I got baptized because my, my parents wanted me to. There was pressure, so I did it. But that was just a physical act. It didn't really have a lot to do with my own relationship with God. Now, when I got baptized, and it was about my relationship with God, and I just wanted the people that were there, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I wanted to make God proud, and I wanted God to affirm, and I was affirming who he was. Man, I'm just telling you, his presence was there, and it was powerful, and it's going to be the same for the people to get baptized today that make this decision because it's what they want in their heart. So I want to talk about. Why do you get baptized? First of all, we get baptized to be a part of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, this message translation. This is what we proclaimed in the word, in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body. Look, a church family, it'll help you. It helps me all the time. Just keep my life centered around God. It's so important. 2 Corinthians 5.14, Christ's love has the first and last word in everything that we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focus center to say, I'm a part of the body of Christ because I'm, I need them to help God stay at the center of my life. And that's important in every area. Look, if you're raising kids, I think it is so important you raise your kids their lives to have Jesus at the center. And I'm trying to do that. My kids are still pretty young, okay? And, and you may have opinions of whether or not I'm doing a good job or a bad job, and that's fine. But if there is anything positive about my, how my kids are being raised right now, I just want to let you know, it's not completely dependent on my leadership. It's not just because I'm a good leader. I'm telling you, it's because we are involved in the body of Christ. And we are partnered with the people that God has brought into this church to lead and pastor. We're partnered with them to help raise our kids to make sure that Christ is at the center. By the way, it's not their responsibility to make sure that your kids are Christians. And I don't know what the percentage is, but the majority of the percentage of responsibility rests on you as the parent. But it is a partnership. And so right now in our kids' lives, it's little life and it's kid life. Those are the the ministries and those are the pastors that are helping us keep Jesus at the center of our kids' lives. Just reinforcing what we're saying and what we're doing from the home. But in the future, and very quickly, it's going to happen. It's going to be four twelve, and it's going to be real life, and it's going to be life groups, and it's going to be serve groups, and it's going to be conferences, and it's going to be retreats. And God help us almighty. Someday it's gonna be premarital counseling and someday it's gonna be marriage counseling. The point is this, we need the body of Christ to help keep Jesus at the center. And when you get water baptized, that's you saying, I pick this body of Christ to help me do that. I want everyone in this body of Christ to know this is the decision I've made and I'm giving them permission and I'm asking them and inviting them to help me, encourage me and challenge me to keep Jesus at the center of my life. That's so much of what water baptism is about. Why do we need it? Because in Isaiah 53 6, it says this We all like sheep. We all, everybody say all. All. Everybody say, That's me. We've gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Look, at one point or another, this is going to happen in your life. Maybe it already happened, and maybe it happened for a season. Or maybe it hasn't happened. At one point or another, you're going to be tempted to isolate. You're going to be tempted to fall away from connection with the body of Christ. For one reason or another, it might be your own sin. It may be because of a situation or circumstance. It may be because I ticked you off and did something that offended you. At one point or another, though, there may be a tendency. And when that happens, you want to be in a body that understands the value of the soul, that understands the value of the one, that will leave the 99 and go after the one and do everything they can to try to get them back into the fold. We don't always do that well. We don't always do it great. But that's our heart. But at the end of the day, that's what you want. Wildebeests in Africa, they move in these huge herds. And for the most part, there's tremendous strength in that herd. When they come to a river, the biggest danger in those rivers is crocodiles. So when they come to a river, they essentially just stampede through this river. They try to get through it as fast as they can, but they stay very tight together. Because it's just that one wildebeest that just kind of gets 15 feet away from the rest of the herd. They're incredibly susceptible and if you watch National Geographic, you can see in graphic detail exactly what happens. They get picked off. The body of Christ is meant to keep you tightly together. And as long as we are moving forward with purpose and vision and direction, and we keep us all connected and connected tightly, there is nothing the enemy can do to pick you off. Great sequoias, redwood trees, they go to be 350 feet tall. You would think that with that tall of a tree, they would have tremendously deep root systems, right? Guess how deep the roots go for the average redwood? Five feet. Five feet. How in the world is five feet supporting 350 feet? I'll tell you how. Because every one of their root systems grows together, they're interwoven. Look, we're gonna continue to grow as deep as we can grow. In the meantime, you need to be interwoven with the rest of the body of Christ. Because if you are strengthened together with their roots and what they know and their understanding through life groups, through fellowship, it doesn't matter what storm comes your way, you're going to be able to stand strong. But guess what? You need the roots of every person that is around you to be able to do it. That is what the body of Christ is meant to do. And that is part of what you do when you're water baptized is saying, this is what I'm going to commit to. This is what I want to be a part of. Romans 12:5. Christ makes us one body and individuals who are connected to each other. Honestly, your spiritual life will not amount to much of anything if you're disconnected from the body of Christ. Here's how I know. There might be some of you that you feel like a lone ranger is the best way to roll. And you may have a tendency just to come and come into church and then leave, and you're not connected in relationship. You're not really in the body of Christ. You just come to a service. Here's the deal. You may think, man, I it's just me and God. That's all I need, just me and God. Jesus is my homie, and we're good. We're tight. That's all I need. There is not one verse in the whole Bible that says all you need is just God. Every verse points towards relationship. Jesus was God. He did not do life alone. If anybody was strong enough to do it, it was him, and he didn't. We need the body of Christ. You guys out there? Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to each other like a loving family. You're members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. So how do you get connected to New Life Church? Well, you just got to make a decision at one point or another that you're going to go all in. There's some ways we look at it. We don't have a formal membership, but we know who our members are because they're committed. We can see their commitment. Because they serve, they attend, they give, they just do whatever they can with the vision to help the vision grow. It's easy for us to see it. But at the end of the day, at one point or another, you can't keep kicking the tires on the car. You've got to buy it. And some of you have been kicking the tires of New Life Church for a really long time. And that's okay. And you're always going to be welcome here. But for your sake, and honestly for us, because we need you too, at one point or another, you've got to say, enough testing it. I'm going to step in and do this. And if it's not here, you need to do it somewhere. You need to do it somewhere. And we are so blessed because not every community can say that we have as many incredible churches around us that we have, but we do. And if you're at a place where you're still kicking the tires and you're still not sure if this is a fit and you've been here for a long time, it may be because God is leading you to go somewhere else. And I'd encourage you to do that. And if you're not sure where to start, come and ask me because I know so many of the incredible churches and pastors around here. And if you know what flavor you're looking for, I will connect you. I will give you their number. I will help you meet with them. I'll do whatever I can because at the end of the day, our heart is that every believer is connected to the body of Christ because we need it. Every one of us. And the body of Christ... Needs you. But you've got to go all in. You've got to make that commitment. And I want you to know, we're not the perfect date. There isn't one. There is not a perfect church. It doesn't matter where you go. You're going to find weaknesses in every church because men lead churches and men are flawed. And in a lot of ways, we're like the six-foot fourth grader we've grown way bigger than our maturity. It wasn't what we were trying to do. We're just trying to be obedient what God has asked us to do. But we have, we've grown large and, and we're not that old of a church, especially here at this campus. We're not that old. So which is why we need every person's roots. Because it helps us to compensate for the lack of experience and maturity. Because of the combined maturity, the combined gifts, the combined strength, Man. It's something the enemy cannot come against. We get baptized to be unashamed. We get baptized to be unashamed. I said a couple weeks back, if I had went and when I proposed to Cody some 15 years ago, and I gave her a ring, and I said, marry me, she said, yes, and I know this is going to be awesome, marriage is going to be great, um, we're going to be like totally married, and we're going to really enjoy everything that comes with marriage, but here's the deal, um, we just kind of need to keep this quiet. Like if this can just be kind of a private thing, like I, when we're just the two of us wear that rain girl, look good. But anytime you go out, you just kind of take that off. Just gotta keep this quiet. I'm just telling you she would have killed me. <laughs> Your relationship with God can be a personal decision, and it doesn't have to be embarrassing. and doesn't have, it can be a personal decision. And some of you, you, you're going to make that decision right there in your seat today. You can make the personal decision, but your relationship with God was never meant to be private. It cannot be. Christianity is never private. Christianity is always about letting the love of God transform you and then let him work through you so other people can see the love of Jesus Christ. And your relationship with God and you as a Christian should be so obvious and so public not just with your words, but especially with your actions, that there is no doubt who you belong to. And water baptism is one of the biggest first steps for you to say, that's who I am and that's who I'm going to be. I'm going to be a public Christian. I want everybody to know it. In some countries that hate Christians, hate Christianity, they don't have an issue with people saying that they're a Christian. The issue is when they get water baptized. Because in a lot of countries, that's what they literally look to to signify that these people are, are really doing what they say they're going to do. And in some countries, it means you're going to be ostracized from your family. You will receive no government aid. You're gonna, you could be thrown in prison or even worse, killed. And guess what? People still make the decision. In our country, I think it's just too easy. It's too flimsy. It's like, yeah, baptism, oh, it might be a cool thing. Kind of, a, might get some cool pictures or whatever at some point, you know. But at the end of the day, God wanted it to be something that's like, no, it's you making a public stand to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If he was willing to go through the shame and ridicule and embarrassment that he went through, then I can get into some water to demonstrate that I'm going to live for him. And it says this, though, in Mark 8:38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my teachings, then I'm going to be ashamed of him when I come in the glory of my Father. That is not the most encouraging verse in the Bible. But I want to let you know, don't be motivated by fear, but be motivated by the cross. Be motivated by what the, the message that all of us heard and received so willingly last weekend. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But don't just easily accept it, but step into it. Declare that you're a part of it. Water baptism is a great way to do that. So if you're a classy business person, politician, some person of influence in our community, maybe you're just a proud mom, a proud dad, proud aunt, proud uncle, proud teenager. Ever met one of those? I don't care what it is. But if you are proud, let me tell you this, and this is the truth, the strongest thing that you will ever do is to humble yourself in water baptism before your heavenly father. That's the strongest place you'll ever be. And if some of you feel like, man, water baptism just kind of seems kind of embarrassing. Man, I don't know about all that. I would suggest that you're probably the very person that needs to do it. You're probably the very person that God is trying to mess with you, work in your heart to get you to finally say, okay, I'm willing. We get water baptized to move from the old life to the new. Colossians 2.12, going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did in Christ. Now we're not gonna keep you under for three days bring you up and see if you're still alive. And if you can make it, you can join our church. We're not doing that, but it is a very important symbol of what Jesus did. In Romans 6, 3, or do you not know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's one of the verses we got the name for our, for our church from, that verse right there, to have a new life. It's so cool. In the early church, when they go to get water baptized, they'd almost always do it in a river. And what they would do is they would, they would put on as clean of a white robe as they could find, and then they would put a really dirty, nasty robe over the top of that. When they step into the river, when they'd be baptized, their head would go downstream. And as they were under the water, they let the current of the river pull the nasty, dirty, old robe off. And that would float down the stream. So when they came out of the water, they're just wearing a clean white robe. Pretty cool, and unless you're afraid of water. And it takes a little bit to get it off. That might be a little bit freaky. But but I love the picture of that because, because I do believe that. You know, there's nothing miraculous about this water, there's nothing supernatural about cabot tap water. But I do believe an act of faith, man, it activates the power of God. And it and it's just stepping into that symbol of man, I'm not gonna live the way I used to live. I'm not gonna do what I used to do. I'm gonna step into that new life in Jesus. So there's always some questions that people have. Like one of the questions is, what words should be said over me when I'm water baptized? And denominations have been fighting about this for hundreds of years. Because in one portion of scripture says you should be baptized in the name of Jesus. And another portion of scripture says you should be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, here's the deal. I don't really think that God is hung up on semantics. I think God is looking at your heart. But just so you know, every person that gets baptized a New Life Church, we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the powerful name of Jesus. We'll just cover it all so you're good to go. You don't have to worry about it. Another question. You yes, ask, well, I was baptized as a child or as a baby. Wasn't well, that enough? Okay, it's really easy to answer that question. Here, a christening can be a really cool service, very beautiful, but that is a parental decision. That child is not at a place where they can make the personal decision to follow Jesus. They're just not. That's why we have baby dedication so the parent can commit to what they want to happen in their kids' lives in Jesus. But, but if, if you, if you want to just know, this is what the word of God says about baptizing babies. That's about it. So if it's not in the word, we believe you've got to come to a place where you understand the decision that you're going to make. And, and every kid, we're going to have a few kids, probably even in the service, we're going to get baptized. They've met with pastors. We've talked with their parents. We just want to make sure, hey, you're making a personal decision. It's not about what your parents think you need to do. It's about what you believe you need to do. Uh, another question is, how should I be water baptized? Sprinkle, splash, take some flips in the pool. Is there a squirt gun involved? Uh, what should happen? Well, we believe that you should be immersed primarily because the word baptism comes from the Greek word baptismo, which means full submersion, completely under the water. Now, you know, there could come a point where we don't have enough extra water to even do that. And I still think it goes back to the heart. But we, we do believe because of the symbolism of it, if at all possible, that you should be completely immersed in water. One time early on in our church, this young man got water baptized. And as we baptized him, just like part of his ear didn't go under the water. Well, there was video of it. His mom saw it, and she comes from a very traditional background. And she got a hold of us and so upset. Like y'all messed the whole thing up. Like he wasn't completely immersed in water. Like his ear didn't go. I saw it. And she was like literally concerned that he was going to hell because of because of that. <laughs> so. Pastor Rick said that when he was going to respond, he started to respond with this. Oh, ma'am, I think we're okay. I think maybe his ear will go to hell, but the rest of them, I think, will go to heaven. That's one of those ones you delete and start over again. As pastors, we do a lot of those. How's it going to work? Today is not a good day to sign up for water baptism. But it is a great day to be water baptized. And we've removed every excuse you could ever have that you wouldn't. As you walked in today, you saw tables. We have change of clothes. We have T-shirts. We have dark shorts. We even have underwear, and it's new. You're welcome. The bottom line is this: if you know that this is what you're supposed to do, there is no reason why you should leave today and not do it. Here in a second, we're gonna we're gonna go into some more worship. We're gonna go through that song. It's gonna give you time and. And you'll have a chance to to go and do that. But we need to do first things first. Let's close your eyes, bow our heads. Because I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you've got to start there. So if you're in that place and you know that God does not have control, you haven't surrendered your life to him. or Maybe you did, but you need to rededicate your life because you've gotten off track. You've drifted away from him and and you need to, to come back to him this morning. If you're in one of those places, like I said before, this is the personal side of this decision and I'm not gonna embarrass you. But just as a sign of faith, an action of confession and surrender to the fact that you know that you need him, if that's you, nobody looking around, but so I know who I'm praying with and for your own sake, I want to give you a chance to be bold enough to say that's me. And if that's you, put your hand up right now all over this room. I need to commit and rededicate my life to Jesus this morning. As soon as I see you, put your hand down. Got you there at the back. Yes, yes. Coming around. Yes, yes. Anybody else? I need to give my life to Jesus. Rededicate it. Got you there in the back. Thanks, man. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just need to get right with Jesus this morning. Come on, don't wait on this. This is a really good time to be obedient. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, got it, bro. Thanks. Thanks for being bold. God's gonna honor you. Anybody else? Yeah. Thank you. I see you. Thanks so much. Anybody else? Okay. All right. All those people, just raise your hand right there. Just have an honest conversation with God. It can just go something like this. Just say, God, here's my life. And I know that I've sinned. I've made a lot of mistakes right now. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I thank you that you didn't stay in the grave, you rose. God, I pray right now that you would be my Lord, my savior and be my best friend. Help me to live for you. Lead me by your spirit, guide me with your word. God, help me to be completely committed to the body of Christ so I can use my gifts and use my talents and be connected to your plan and purpose. Help me to have a new life in you today, God. I never want to be the same. I want to live for you for the rest of my life. God, I thank you for every person that just said that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time. God, I pray that in all of our lives, in big and small ways, that we would stay connected to your word, connected to relationship with you, and then anything that you ask us to do, no matter how big or small, no matter how embarrassing it can be or how challenging it can be, God, no matter how big of a risk that it is, I pray that you would strengthen us in us from the core of who we are to step into obedience of whatever you would ask us to do. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand. We had eight or nine people raise their hand to get right with God. Amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to go into this worship song. Man, we did it at Easter. It's such a strong song. It speaks right to the message of what we talked about today. If you've already made a decision to be water baptized today, they're gonna start moving to where they need to be during this song. But if you, during the service, you know that God is moving in your heart, that today is the day that you go public with your decision to follow Jesus, I'd encourage you to do it. If there's somebody in your row and they're kind of fidgeting and they're not sure, like they're in the middle, so they're like, which way do I go? This is, just give them some grace. Give them some grace. Get out of the way. Let, encourage them make a move towards God, you'll never regret it. It's the best decision you could ever make. Amen. Let's worship God together.